Hi, I'm Leola. I'm a sacred intimacy mentor and muse and the host of this podcast. Talk Tantra to Me introduces a playful perspective on sacred sexuality. My intention in this podcast is to integrate intimacy and spirituality, empowering you to reclaim your eroticism. It is my mission to inspire you to let go of shame, fear, and limiting beliefs to be present as your highest self in every moment. Thanks so much for tuning in. Now, let's talk Tantra. Thank you so much for tuning in to Talk Tantra to me. I am so excited to have this divine knowledge come into your ears and lifestyle. Today, I talk Tantra with Alexa. She is also known as That Sex Coach. She is a sex coach and also a business mentor for other sex coaches. So Alexa, thank you so much for being here. I'd love to get started by chatting a bit about your journey with becoming a sex coach. How did you discover this passion and purpose? Um, thank you. And I'm super excited for the convo that we're going to have. I'm sure it will be dynamic. Um, so for me, I graduated from, well, let's see, I could go to college, but really I'll just mention that I'm from deep South Louisiana, a very small town, um, just outside of new Orleans. And I grew up mostly Catholic and I say mostly Catholic because with my family, it would come and go whenever it was really convenient. And whenever I was in a Catholic school. And so, um, I learned a very particular couple of boxes that I was supposed to put myself into in order to have a very enriching, fulfilled life. And when those things didn't work, I, um, I'll just fast forward and just say I went on on a journey of self-discovery and self-discovery led me uh, personal development. I traveled a lot post high school and then I graduated from USM in uh, Southern Mississippi. And I always knew I wasn't interested in science. I always knew that I was interested in the body and how it functioned and, and how it worked psychology as well. Um, and I originally thought that I was going to become a forensic psychiatrist, well, a forensic biologist rather. Um, on the way to potentially forensic psychiatry. And uh, I was just really into that subject matter. And by the end of college, it no longer felt aligned. And I wound up graduating and had no idea what direction um, I wanted to go. So I started studying art, joined cruise ships as a crew member. And um, part of this development of self was that I traveled to um, over the course of about six years, 79 different countries. So it went from this small town, this is all that I know, to holy shit, there's a whole big world. And people who look different, love different, um, fuck different. I can say fuck, right? Yes, of course. <laughs> Great. I thought so. I'm like, let me just let me just roll back that real quick. Um, who, you know, are in different relationships. And, um, it just opened my eyes to so much communicate in a different way and, uh, just really opened me up. I, of course I, I went through some trials and tribulations, so to speak, uh, while I traveled and, um, lost myself a couple more times in the process. Who am I, what am I doing here? And then eventually what I would call personal development, um, now, you know, read books like The Power of Now and The Code of the Extraordinary Mind and Think and Grow Rich and things like that. And um, really started absorbing as much personal development, kind of awakening type information as I possibly could. Uh, 
what led me to becoming a sex coach, I would say was a, a, a really important shift where I realized that a lot of the personal development work that I was doing to grow and understand myself on a deep level was not necessarily translating into dating, love relationships, and especially sex. So I would gain this confidence in how to communicate. I would, um, you know, meditate and yoga and all this and feel really good about myself. And then as soon as the guy that I thought was attractive would walk into the room, I immediately turned into a 14 year old girl again and didn't know what to do and didn't know how to communicate boundaries. Cause I didn't really know what my boundaries were. So, um, as, as far as in a sexual capacity was concerned. So there was a little light bulb that went off. Um, and I started studying sex specifically. I just got really curious about it. Um, around that time, I had my first BDSM relationship uh, with the Dom. Around that time, I was introduced to uh, ethical non-monogamy, consensual non-monogamy, and my mind was just blown that people could, you know, take all of this to another level um, of creating a life that they want to, and a sex life specifically. That was by their design. So started studying those as just like a passion and talking to anyone and everyone who would who would give me the time of day, you know, to talk about sex in their love life. Um, it really started affecting my life in a in a huge way. I started selling better. I was a better manager um, for the department that I worked in, and just better at life when I addressed my sexual curiosities and got really um, really passionate just about what turned me on. Um, becoming a sex coach first looked like launching a blog where I just wrote about my escapades. And uh, eventually people asked, how can I work with you? And eventually that then led to many other things in, in my business, the podcast community. Um, I have a, a collective now of other sex coaches where we work together um, and help people with their sex and love lives all over the world. And, it, and it's really cool. So when people say like, how did you get started? I'm like, I had no idea that this is where it was all going to go. No idea. And, and I zoom out every now and then to do kind of a meta bird perspective. And like, I don't even know what's happening right now. We just get to, you know, for me, it's, I just get to keep helping people open up and understand themselves in a, in a sexual way. And then also create relationships that really work with them and for them and for their growth and development. And of course, incorporate pleasure and healing and all of that too. And um, I'm just super, super grateful that I get to do the work that I do and get to have conversations like this with people like you, like pinch me. This is amazing. Amazing. I deeply resonate with so much of your story and I appreciate you so much for vulnerably and authentically opening up about, about all of it. Um, you know, I also grew up in a small town. I did the whole travel thing, opened up my mind. And it's so interesting too. like, you start getting into the personal development world and it's amazing, but it only goes so far. And then you realize that sex is really at the root of it. And it, because that's how we're brought into this world, you know, and, um, it touches everything. And then your whole life around you changes and now you, you become a better manager, as you had said, and, and just a better person overall, once you tap into this and, you know, better communicator, all of these things. So it's really beautiful. Thank you for sharing your perspective on that. Uh, and I'd love to kind of shift now into chatting about how that's affected your relationships. And I know that you recently got married. So congratulations. Thank you. You're welcome. Such a beautiful relationship you guys have. I've listened to um, 
one of the, the podcast episodes that you did with your partner and the dynamic is so fun and you can just really feel the depth there. And, uh, you know, what does it look like to get to that point to have a deeply fulfilling relationship? It's a really good question. I mean, I didn't have it modeled for me. That's for sure. So as odd as it may sound, this Catholic-ish, mostly Catholic upbringing that I had, I did get to see my grandparents married up until uh, my grandfather passed away. They were together almost 50 years whenever he passed away. And so I, I had this modeled for me of these are the, the, what constitutes a marriage is people who just stay together. Mm-hmm. It was like the success of this relationship is determined by its longevity. This is our normal and we're not changing. You know, they started having kids at like 17, 18 years old is when they got married. And, and so my mom is one of four. And it's just, that was, that was the models. Like they bickered all the time. It didn't look like they had a lot of love. And I was like, oh, well, this is just, this is what happens. You find a person that you can stand and then, or you mostly can stand. And then you just like have a relationship. Um, my mom, on the other hand, up to this point has been married five times. So I was very conflicted what does a healthy relationship look like? And I, I didn't have modeled for me in, in a more intimate capacity outside of my, you know, getting to, to be in close proximity to my grandparents, you know, they helped raise me. Um, I saw men, they leave, you know, in a heteronormative type relationship that I'm, I'm speaking about now is that they, they leave and they're untrustworthy and they're not reliable and they're not consistent and they're going to come and go. Whenever one doesn't work, you just out with the old and in with the new. And while I didn't, I didn't experience five marriages in my life, my sister had the fortunate opportunity to experience most, if not all of them, because she's, you know, a, a bit significantly order, older than I am. So she's 13 years older than I am. Mm-hmm. And uh, so as far as like getting to have the relationship that I have now, it did not come very easily for me. And uh, even just recently had a conversation with Jordan on our way to a new year's gathering with all of our closest friends. So we have a little community of really close friends. There's um, 12 of us in total. So six couples, everybody's a couple. We call us ourselves the conscious couples coalition. We also affectionately call ourselves the pleasure posse. Uh, so out of all, out of the six couples, out of the 12 people, Jordan and I are the only two that have broken families, so to speak, if you want to use that term, our parents aren't together. And so our, each of us individually, our journey to coming together in the way that we are coming together, almost get emotional, just saying it, it took a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I say work, I'm talking about internal, like this, this never ending desire and this willingness to learn who I am to my core and to be able to, uh, take a step each day on the healing path which doesn't have an end and knowing that each step is worth it. While it might feel like I'm going one step forward and 52 steps back, I am through this process, changing lineages, generations behind me and forward um, with the actions and the energy and all that, that I, that I'm putting into it. And Jordan feels very much the same way. And so we consistently show up for, um, you know, asking ourselves the questions, what's here for me and taking righteous responsibility for each thing that is unfolding, because I can't make him do anything necessarily. And I can't make him feel it, And he can't do those things to me either. Um, so it, it wasn't easy and it came through for me having 
kind of a revolving door of relationships as well that were serving me in some ways, but also repeating patterns that were not getting me where I wanted to go. Um, So I'll just share that. Our really amazing relationship that we have is pretty constant processing, um, which I think people might not want to hear that. It's like, oh, did you ever get a break and like have some fun? Yes. Uh, When we first got together, we processed a lot, like a lot, a lot. Now we high five each other when we can get from the start of conflict, tension, trigger, meaning like nervous system activation to the other side in like 20 minutes, 15 minutes. We actually high five each other because we're so aware of the different steps that this takes when you know when we first got together four years ago, maybe it took several hours or even the same conflict would stretch over a couple of days. Now it's, if we can get through it in like 20, 30 minutes, if we can get through it in like 10 minutes with not that many actual language being exchanged, words being exchanged, we high five each other because even in the shit, we're like, we're doing really great work right now. So to have the relationship, um, I think it, it takes to kind of narrow those things down, um, taking massive responsibility for the individual, for caring for the unit of your relationship and nurturing its consciousness in a sense. Mm-hmm. So like I have my own consciousness, Jordan has his own consciousness. And then our relationship is an entity in and of itself that incorporates our good things about us and our bad things about us. So our strengths and um, certainly our shadows. Um, and then our knowing that our collective the entity of our relationship is beyond what each of us could individually do in the world. Um, And it's smarter than each of us individually. So when we come together to make decisions and we come together to make choices for our life um, or show up in the work that we do in the world, its unit is better than the individual. So knowing that as well, which didn't come easily either from watching a single mom with a revolving door as well, you know? Uh, and then I think that it takes getting becoming a master at communication, knowing that mastery is probably never going to be achieved. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. I have to say, there was one point when you were speaking where I was just full body chills. It was actually very emotional hearing about this, specifically when you were talking about healing through the lineages. I think that that's just so powerful. And it's the things that you're speaking about are so in alignment with where I'm at in my relationship. So I'd love to go deeper into this idea of, um, working through like conflict resolution in a partnership, because for me, I was like, I've been deeply triggered by that process because my parents never fought in front of us. They were not, they were not happy at all, but it was keeping everything under the rug. So I thought that when we were disagreeing, it was like, we're not right for each other, you know, which obviously wasn't necessarily the truth. And then, you know, for my mom, it was the, also the revolving door sort of situation. She's been married four times and and now is in her fifth like domestic partnership. So, um, but now she's in a great partnership and I'm, I'm so happy for her, but it was definitely realizing, oh, I just have never seen anyone like argue effectively in resolve conflict in a positive way. And you know, what are, what are the steps, uh, for you guys for that? So just say also my mom found, I would say the love of her life at 50, 
So she's in the fifth marriage is the best one and the longest one. She told me the other day when I was home for the holidays that they are coming up to, I think, 17 or 18 years together. That's her longest relationship of her life happened after 50, which I love. And my whole family is obsessed with Ernie is my stepdad. I mean, it just so happens that he came into my life when I was like 16. So all my formidable years had already passed. You know, the way that he shows up for family and the way that he shows up for her, I was already like the patterns were already formed. So there was nothing I could do necessarily about that. So, um, but I'll just share like my mom also in that space. Um, speaking of my mom, I, I, she's, she's very cute. She's my favorite mom now, you know, out of my whole life. She's my favorite in this season, in this phase. And, uh, we were at one of the trips, one of the trips that we were either in Austin or we might've actually been in new Orleans where my, my family is. And Jordan and I were in the car and we started talking about something and I felt like the comings on. And, and, and I use the word trigger, like I mentioned before is like nervous system gets activated. Mm -hmm. And then that nervous system is following some kind of, it feels familiarity in the situation. It, It, you know, I think the human knows this is my husband or my partner or my person that loves me and cares about me, but there's something in the energy, something in the language, something in that environment that says to the creature of you, this isn't safe on some level. And so fight, flight, fawn, freeze, something like that. Right. And so, um, for me and my, uh, let's say personality pattern type, my energy, like the flow of energy for me is to get aggressive. My energy gets really big and it starts pouring out of me. And um, Jordan calls me Maleficent. Like he calls me Dragon Lady. Like there's, there's, he has several nicknames for me when I turn into this space because um, my uh, like aggressive, and I use air quotes whenever I say that is like, I'm not I'm not throwing anybody around or throwing things or whatever. It's just my energy feels kind of harsh. And for him, his, um, his energy, when there's conflict is more collapsing, it's more enduring. His energy flows down and into his body where mine goes big and out. So we work with a relationship coach and, and we're super fortunate that we've been working with a relationship coach since maybe year two and a half into our relationship. And, um, and something that she, a frame that she gives to us a lot is like, who's collapsing and who's coercing. And usually it's me coercing, um, because of my bigness, I'm not trying to manipulate overtly. I'm not trying to manipulate in any situation, but my energy gets so big that it's predictable. His collapses. And so, uh, just us having that awareness helps us navigate those situations. It still doesn't necessarily prevent us from doing it, but we can even say, now I'm coercing and now you're collapsing. And like, we can even like play and put that into, into the experience. But my mom was in the car. We were on the verge of like something was happening and we got where we were going and we were communicating very effectively, but we were in, we were in it a little bit and we didn't hide it from my mom. And so when we parked in the, at the parking lot for wherever we were going, she goes, I'll just wait for you outside. And she quickly zipped out of the car because <laughs> she was uncomfortable. And Jordan and I sat in the car and then we got to resolution very quickly. Okay. This is, you want to, each of us, we want to feel seen, heard, understood. So how do we get to that place? 
You know, you might not agree with me, but let's have empathy and compassion in this process. And like, you are my person under zero circumstances. Am I trying to fuck with your life? You're my person. And so we get to remind each other very frequently. So I remember getting out of the car and it was just post-conflict. I was laughing. I was giggling at the whole situation Um, because it's real. And I got out of the car. I was like, mom, did that make you uncomfortable? She goes, oh, you know, well, it's not my business and y'all just do your thing. And I was like, I just want you to know that we weren't trying to hide that from you. And also we're good. Look at us. We're good. You know, and then I recapped kind of what we did. and, And that just really encapsulates what, what my experience was growing up. And then even into adulthood, people do shy away from, from the discomfort, but through that discomfort is intimacy. So my partner and I are closer together because we're willing to go into the heat or the fire or the tension, um, and become, you know, as skilled as we possibly can at navigating that. So I told more of a story than really a framework. Um, (laughs) so if you want to ask another question about that, you're more than welcome to. Yeah, I, I I love the story. I think that it's super relatable. And I feel like we got the main foundations, which to me were really um, recognizing that like your partner's not trying, like, like I always say to my partner, like, I'm not intentionally trying to like fuck with you. I'm, I'm re- like, this was obviously like, we have different programming, right? And like, let me explain to you my program programming. And then I'd love to hear yours. And then we can find that empathy to see, you know, to feel seen, heard. And what was the third that you had said? So oh, understood. Yeah. 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 So I love that. Thank you for sharing that. And also just the idea of like having these having these conversations in front of people is such an invitation for others to go into that space. Mm -hmm. I can think of like one couple in my life that I know personally that I really look up to in terms of how they, how they relate because of how I've seen them fight. Uh, and, and it's really powerful and beautiful. So, uh, use that as an invitation for others as well to, to go into it, to go into those depths and in front of people to, to allow for that. Cause I often think what would, how would I approach conflict if I had seen my parents fight in a, in a more, um, high vibrational way, there were definitely some comments made under breath or occasionally a more blow up sort of situation. And, what would it look like and how would I approach conflict if I had seen it differently? So how can we, again, shift the perspective, as you had said, going up the family line, going up the lineage as well. Beautiful. Cool. So what are some of the obstacles that you see couples in expanding their intimacy and depth? I know we've, we've kind of touched in on this, um, this piece on conflict, but what are some of the other things that you see that people could use more of in their life or less of to get a little bit deeper in their relationships? So I think that, uh, in, in couples in common, commonly things that I'll see is a passive responsibility, which I mentioned towards the beginning is that that's, that's a requirement. So each individual taking massive personal responsibility for their actions, for their decisions, for their language, for their history, all of it. Um, because I see a lot of a lot, very generally speaking, right? I mean, in my own pers- personal, like close circles, I don't see it as much, but just people, people online, <laughs> um, and the greater community, so to speak, is a lot of passing of that responsibility, and a lot of, well, if I feel shitty, then I'm going to go ahead and just throw some shame, blame, make wrong, guilt, whatever, onto you too, so that we're both feeling this way, and I'm not, I'm not feeling taken care of 
because I'm not taking care of myself. Because if I was taking care of myself, I'd speak up for what I want, which requires knowing what you want in the first place. Mm-hmm. And so since I'm not being taken care of, I'm going to blame you and all your shortcomings for why I'm not where I want and where I'm not, why I'm not feeling the way that I want to feel in my day-to-day life. And that's really unfortunate, but it's also like, it's also so common. So, um, you know, that, that's, that's, I would say a, a frame that I see pretty frequently of what's in the way of them getting intimacy. Cause I, uh, a couple of things that I'll double click on are people have to know what they want. And that question is really big and really daunting to so many people. What do you want? Especially if they can't help themselves, but consider all the things that are in their life that are in the category of don't want, but I'm stuck with, or don't want, but you know, whether it's a certain aspect of family or a certain place that they live, like location wise, or if it's illness or um, grief or whatever it is, like there's something in here that I don't want, then it's, it's hard sometimes for them to consider what are my possibilities, even if some of these things are circumstantial or if they are straight up, you can't do anything about them. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, those are the, the, the first few things that really come up as far as like what gets in the way of people's intimacy. Um, of course, communication, you know, I hear that a lot. I say that a lot, but in reality, like it's not so much the communication tools. I think it's a lot of introspection. You can't communicate what you don't have the answers to. And a lot of it is, is an internal job. Mm -hmm. So yes, I could tell you like some nonviolent communication techniques and whatever to frame the way that you communicate with your person, but you got to know who you are in the process. And that doesn't mean no to your core and your purpose in life and like all of that. No, but have asked yourself some really deep questions and be on a quest to discover more and more of who you are every day that goes by, you know, so at least having that connection. So, um, some things that can help people sure there's podcasts and there's books and there's various, there's so many people who are teaching today, how someone, you know, helping someone get to know themselves on a deeper level. For me in our business, we specialize or we, we, um, focus on helping people get to know themselves on a sexual level. So for me, people come to me usually saying, I want more from my sex life because my sex life is lacking, which is typically a symptom. So while we go into, some of the ways that they can get to know themselves deeper than sex, we still specialize in the sex itself, I'll say. So, um, you know, some of the common tools that we give to people are the want, will, won't list, Mm -hmm. which is what do you want? What will you do? What won't you do? So, and if you just Google want, will, won't list, mine will pop up plus maybe some other sex educators as well. So it's like even sitting down and asking yourself, am I really asking for what I want? Do I even know what I want? And so here's a checklist to make easy on you. Another thing is a relationship board meeting, which is another worksheet that we've developed over time because we talk about it so much that we wound up creating a a free resource as well. So that's give yourself space to actually talk about the health of you as as an individual and the health of your relationship on a weekly basis, at least bi-weekly basis. Mm-hmm. So, so many people don't give themselves the space to actually drop in with their significant other and say, let's talk about what we're doing here. And, and that could be 
you've just started dating someone or you're, or you're single, you do that for yourself. Or if you've been with someone for a really long time, let's stop the monotony let's, or the routine or, you know, whatever life has been and however life has been unfolding where you're orbiting around your person versus like really being intimate with them. And it's because I know like today I'm on back-to-back calls and, and I love the work that I do. So Jordan and I both work from home. I literally ran downstairs, grabbed my cup of water and said, I'm getting on a podcast. I love you. Bye. So we're in the same building and we're orbiting around each other, mm-hmm. but we're not actually with each other. And if we do that multiple days of the week, then it's up to us to actually create the time where we go, Hey, hi, I see you. I feel you. I want to be with you. How are you? How are you really, you know, um, and invite some different types of touch and connection and all of that. And so, um, that's, that's definitely, uh, a big one that has impacted my own personal relationship. And then many people who are in our community space as well. So I think if you give yourself space to even just share what's on your heart outside of needing communication techniques and all that shit, if you just give yourself space to actually talk about how you're doing and how you're feeling and what you want, um, it can change so much. You know, your person is like, Oh, I didn't even know those things were going on for you let me help. Let me show up for you. It's like, you're not even giving them an opportunity to, to be with you. If you're just consistently missing each other, which can happen a lot for, for families, um, for parents, because they're so focused on like getting the kid from point kids from point A to point B and, and managing their lives. That sometimes their relationship falls on the back burner. Beautiful. Some great pieces there that we can take home. And I know you on your website, again, we'll, we'll link all of this in the, in the bio that you do have these free resources as well for the listeners. And I'd love to go, um, to touch on a little bit more, this idea of getting in touch with your own truth, because this has been a big initiation for myself too, and seeing that your desires and needs, like you're worthy of having them as well. For myself, I knew what I wanted, but I, in the past and past relationships, I was so afraid to share them because I was told they were wrong and not okay for so long that when um, I, I got to the point of acting out instead of just communicating what I needed or wanted, um, which not only did me the disservice of not getting it uh, from someone that I deeply love, but also it's withholding the opportunity for your partner to love that part of yourself too. Um, that being said, there's definitely times where the needs or the desires aren't totally in alignment sexually or otherwise. Do you have any suggestions for people that are kind of in that place? How can you sort of negotiate that in the relationship or at least Um, hold space for, for the partner? I suppose. Yeah. And, and I heard all those beautiful contexts. What is, I want to make sure I answer the question more specifically. Sure. So really what I'm asking is, you know, I had kind of touched on the fact that we all have different needs, preferences, boundaries as well. Um, and, you know, holding space for your, you're worthy of this. We're all, even though our needs, preferences, and boundaries may be different, we're all worthy of having them met. Um, but sometimes they're not in alignment with our partners. Sure. Uh, and how do we negotiate or at least hold space when they are not in alignment as, you know, partners? Okay. So it's a question more like if I have some things that I want in the relationship and you have some things that you want in the relationship and they're not quite meeting, 
Yes. How do we navigate this? Yes. Like, I'll just use an example. I've been to over 30% of the world. I'm okay if I don't travel anymore. When my partner has only been to one, a couple of countries outside of the United States and has a big bucket there to fill for himself of like travel and all of that. So that's on like a, you want something that I'm, I'm like, okay, not to do mm-hmm. so to speak. Um, I, I think that, that, that could possibly be on, on like an example on the list. One could be, oh, you're kinky and I have zero interest in being tied up or having something put in my butt or being blindfolded or being whatever. Um, and then I imagine there's some possible aspects of like, you want to move to a certain location and I'm happy right here. So it feels like there's many different responses a couple could have. Did I touch on like, am I, am I gathering what you mean? Yeah, absolutely. There's so many different ways that this conversation could occur depending on what the situation is. Um, if you feel like there's not a specific, you know, pattern or communication style that you'd like to bring in on this. Maybe we can just focus on sexual needs or, or preferences or desires specifically, you know, maybe something that seems outside of the box of like, like a a relationship that society would deem. Okay. So something like, or, you know, um, or polyamory. Yes. Polyamory is a great one. Yeah. Like I want monogamy and you want to see other people. Yes. Let's do that one. Sure. So I'll just go ahead and say a disclaimer is that, um, if you're dating, let's say you're dating and this person that you're dating is saying that they want some things that are way far out there for you. Like when you consider it, your nervous system lights up, you go into freeze or you go into got a fight or you um, break down or collapse, or you feel like you might be wavering on your boundaries, then your person, you can only go as far as the persons, uh, that you're dealing with their nervous system can go. And if your partner is trying to go too fast or too soon, then there's another opportunity for more trauma to be inflicted in that situation. And so you have to ask yourself, get really clear. Is this the person that I want to do this dance with? So it's like my disclaimer is like, is that your person? So I look at Jordan and he is without a doubt my person. I chose him not because of how much love we have, not because of how much fun we have together or how much we like to play together or, you know, our the things that we like that are the same. It's not because of any of those things. It's because I like to fight with him the best that of anybody. And when I say I like, I don't like it. It is just the, I, I get to hold my dignity in the process. He honors who I am and where I come from and my makeup and all of that process. And I do the same to the best of my abilities for him. So we are together because, and he is my person because I really like the way that we navigate each other's triggers and traumas and all of that. Mm-hmm. So if you're with a person and they can't, you both can't respect each other in that way, uh, then I would say consider that. And how long do you want to be in that relationship if that's going down a path that will potentially, uh, and and I think people know a lot of times, I mean, I knew certainly before I found the person, found the person that I wanted to marry and make a family with and all of that. It, it was like, oh, I know this is wrong and I, I'm really into it. 
in some way. It's serving me in some way. So I'm just going to like get tossed around this universal metaphorical dryer, you know, just like bumped around and I'll figure it out and I'll do, I'll be a part of this until, you know, I say no more. So just be really real with yourself. And if you're in a relationship and it's serving you on some level, and you know that it's not going to go the distance, so to speak, whatever the distance means, then surrender into this is what you're choosing. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really outlining the, like the place that some people get in, in they're conflicted, but like, I love them and I can see the potential. I'm in love with their potential. And and they, and I see how they are so great in this subject, but over here, it's really weird. And so I'm just going to make concessions for that. And maybe we'll figure it out over time. And some people get in this weird, like kind of limbo trying to make someone into something that that person may not be simply. So I knew personally, I knew, um, a lot of these things about Jordan when we first got together because we were communicating about them and I could feel it from him. So I think, you know, for some people it's, it's get, get in touch intuitively with what's right and what feels right and true for you and what you're deciding, what your human is deciding. Mm -hmm. Um, so, and I, I, I think that that answered something, (laughs) um, but I will say, you know, as far as us not, not, uh, agreeing, if we have like a frame to share something that is, I want to do something that you don't, don't necessarily want to do. Um, I'll just share, uh, what we do do so that that's a little bit more tangible. And that's, I have something that I want to share with you. I have some fears about this information that I'm going to share. I'm afraid that you'll reject me. I'm afraid that I'll be left alone. I'm afraid that you will not want to communicate with me anymore. And I just want to share that ahead of time. So I set the stage that this is very vulnerable. I have real feelings attached to it. So please meet me human to human, mm. lover to lover. So sharing the, the fears. Um, and what I would love is setting a container, right? creating a start, finish. Are you open to hearing these things now? Get the yes. Okay. Let's sit down. What I would love is for me to share everything that's on my heart right now about this certain subject and for you to listen, not try to fix it, not communicate back to me, not ask any questions at first, but just to hear me fully until I'm done. And then I would love to create some space where you can ask me questions about this thing. So just saying, setting the framework of like, where is this going? So I'm going to speak fully until I ask you, do you have any questions? And then what my hope is that by the end of it, we can find some middle ground. My hope by the end of it is that we really feel each other, feel our love through it. I want to share this thing from a vulnerable place, from a desirable place. And then I want to see how we can together create something that's better than either of us individually could have imagined. And that's when that's bringing the, your relationship So the combination of the two people, your relationship is smarter than the individual. So it's no matter what you could want, the, you enroll your other person, you know, your person into that mix and you leverage the relationship entity, um, and the relationship consciousness, what comes out, what spits out on the other side is better, even better because your person's with you in it. Um, so, and then that's like the general framework, Jordan, I, anytime we have like a, a thing, that's kind of an ouch to share. Or like, I, I really want this thing. Maybe it's sexually, maybe it's like in a kink space. You know, it was challenging for the first time expressing what daddy Dom was to Jordan. Cause he'd never experienced anything like that before. And he had a bunch of judgments 
around it. And I had a bunch of like, if I share this with you, you're, you're going to run for the hills. It's like, how do you create a container where you share those things and the person meets you? And instead, because the alternative is, is the regret, the shame, the runaway and all that, or it's, I'm going to fight you on that. How do you fight with someone's desires? How do you fight with someone's authenticity and vulnerability? Rude. So how you set up that conversation really matters. And if you do it from a place of like, I'm going to start with my heart and I hold on to my heart the whole way. That's also very different to, I have something that I want to share with you. I'm not happy. Well, all right. Well, now I've got to like gear up. I need like my sword, my like my language sword and like my, you know, all my, my, my weapons to fight back. So um, really the place that you do it from. Yeah. Really powerful tools here. And I especially love the aspect of asking, are you ready for this conversation? Can we create this container? Because from, you know, what I've experienced with the people that I've worked with, it's often either the space is never created and then it bubbles to the surface in a time that isn't, you know, ideal for anyone, or you're already in like some sort of situation where you want that, you know, kink or whatever it is to happen. And it's just not appropriate because now there's no boundaries in place to allow it to evolve in a healthy way. The other person feels bombarded by the desire potentially. Um, so asking for that permission in a, in a, in a container is, is really beautiful. And that's how we have something like the relationship board meeting or my partner and I call ours Tantra nights. Um, and that's a beautiful space to air anything, whether it's, you know, I've noticed that you're not cleaning up after yourself, or I want to try this new sexy thing. Uh, so definitely recommend just regularly creating those spaces for sure. Mm, Um, for sure. Yes. So wrapping up with the last few questions here, uh, this next question that I have for you is, is based on, uh, an Instagram post that I had seen you write a while back. Um, and the question is what is considered a healthy amount of sex in a relationship. And you had kind of shared how often you and Jordan meet in that way. And I'd love to kind of touch on that because I feel like there's so many like projections and ideas of what is healthy and what is good and okay. Yeah. I mean, what's healthy is the amount of sex that you want, need, desire, um, in a sense, because I think for, for some people, and it's, uh, quite the paradox, right? You, you're going to partner with your sacred mirror. Uh, you're going to part, you're going to partner with the person who, um, so perfectly pushes buttons. Uh, so that's like that whole opposites attract, but it doesn't mean opposite as, you know, you're going to partner with someone who likes all the different, all the opposite of everything that you like, so to speak. It, it's um, more in the the realms of they're going to mirror to you the things that the the areas that you on an individual level can look at. Like, why do I, why do I react the way that I react in certain contexts and certain situations? Um, so some people partner, a lot of people partner, one's got a hyper sex drive and one's one could do with like once a week a couple of times a month. And it's just funny that they often are together. And so, uh, then that creates dissonance and disharmony in the relationship because one really wants that, that act and that act could be attached to intimacy and feeling loved. You know, a lot of people, um, a lot of young men that grew up with porn, it was, uh, intimacy and hugs and touch and love. And that kind of way was in a sense, um, I want to say demonized, I don't know if that's the correct, really the word that I'm looking for, but it was 
or vilified. It was more um, like it was told that this is girly and you shouldn't want those things, right? Don't honor that you want those things. However, look, here's porn. And in porn, this is uh, this is celebrated and it's rough and it's naked and it's um, intense or it's fast or whatever it was. And I'm talking about people in my thirties. So the OG porn is what I'm talking about. That was originally out, you know, and when the internet came out and all that, it's like, I, I learned Oregon trail at the same time I saw porn for the first time. Um, so, you know, just like thinking about how people were raised and how they grew up and, and the synapses that were formed in their brains, the patterns that were formed in their brains that equal love or equal how sex or intimacy is supposed to look and how it's supposed to go down. I think if you just just consider that for a moment that I think that it can bring in more compassion in this subject and certainly more empathy. And for a lot of young women, it was, um, for me anyway, uh, sex, you're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to look at it. You're supposed to play coy. You're supposed to make them wait. You're supposed to do all these things. And so hypersexual females were, you know, uh, frowned upon certainly. And just like wanting to have sex was, you know, this is dirty, poor slut, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So just understanding where a lot of us have come from as far as the messaging, the very mixed messaging that we were given, and then the drive that this this natural drive that we were experiencing while being told this is wrong. Um, so understand that there's a lot that that goes into people's sex drives or lack of sex drives mm-hmm. and all of that. Certainly sex drive is affected by um a person's ability to be mobile and to, uh, let's see how do I want to phrase this. So it's affected by health mm-hmm. and circulation. So pleasure, neurons, neural pathways, um, actual nerve endings. You need to be able to have like, you need to be able to flow your blood in your body and breathe in your body. And so if your body is uncomfortable, that's hard to bring pleasure into. Um, so just pointing out that the more that you focus on treating your body as a temple, and really caring for it and being kind and considerate and compassionate to your body, um, the more, I would say for some people, more likely they are to want to have sex because they feel good and they feel receptive in their body. And also like just sheer ability to be able to do it for long periods of time or even more than a few minutes at a time. So I'll start there. Um, for Jordan, I just, we, we are happy. I'm happy. I won't speak for the both of us. I am happy with two to three times a week. He would be happy if we did something sexual every single day, maybe even a couple times a day. On the erotic blueprints, if y'all aren't familiar with that, take the test. It's really cool. I don't know if you've spoken about it on the on the show, but Jordan is a sexual and I am a kinky energetic. So I like space with my turn on and he's like, wow, boobs, you know, like go straight for it. <laughs> so if you take the test, it will make sense. What I just said will make sense a little bit more. So that's erotic blueprint quiz. I believe it's eroticblueprintquiz.com or missjaya.com. So, uh, you know, for us, it's we get to have the relationship board meeting and we get to say, how was the sex this past week? And what do we want to plan for in the, in, in the week ahead? So for him and I, we don't leave it up to chance and we don't leave it up to spontaneity all the time. We do have weeks go by where we don't plan the sex and we just see what happens. And a lot of times, if we just see what happens, we're going to have less sex than if we were to plan it. And when I say plan it, it's not, okay, at Tuesday at two, we have sex. It's, oh, Tuesday at two, you have a window. You have nothing right there. I don't have anything right there either. So let's meet and see each other. Let's meet, sit face to face, 
and see what happens. That's not, we're going to have sex. We usually do, but this, we're going to be with each other and see what happens. So there is some flow to the structure. Call those the riverbanks. We can flow inside of them and see what happens. Right. And so we'll usually plan one or two of those windows. Sometimes we have an overarching theme where we'll do, we'll play with a new toy. So he'll put on the calendar. He'll actually put this in our calendar, sexploration. So we'll come into my office, which I have an abundance of toys, and lubes and accoutrement, and we'll just choose something and we'll play with it. Sometimes we'll do um, ritual. So that's on my calendar for, I think tomorrow, the next day, we just has on the calendar, JNA ritual. So that's sex magic. That's, we're going to take a lot of time for that one. We're going to communicate our intentions, our desires, not just our desires in sex, but our desires in life. And we're going to bring that energy into our, uh, into our sexual experience. We're going to have a, a, an opening and a closing to that container in a different way. So we, we like to do different types of sex also so that we keep it novel uh, because long-term relationships are routine and sometimes monotonous. So if we want there to be spontaneity, then sometimes we got to plan for it. <laughs> Um, and then usually in the weeks where we have a couple to a few planned sexual experiences, we will wind up having regular sex outside of that because we're already feeling yummy and juicy and connected. So my questions to all of your listeners is what would feel good to you? What do you need to do for yourself in order to feel really juicy and yummy on an individual level? And then, so let's just say you're feeling really good in your body and, or you're feeling like you might not feel the best of your life, but you can still let pleasure in and you're open to, um, experiencing pleasure. Uh, so then ask yourself what frequency would feel really good to you. All things considered the context is correct. It's not all the same in and out. A leads to B leads to C kind of experience, like best case scenario, how much would you want in a week? And then have that conversation with your partner. So the next piece is if they want five to seven times and you're at like three to four times on the high end. Okay. Well then what are some experiences that you can give to yourself? You know, you tell that to that other person you can give to yourself that allows for you to get all that you desire and your sexual needs and wants that I also get to honor where I am. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a, a dialogue. You get to come up with the solution, right? The best parts of both of you get to factor into how do we remedy this so that we're all feeling taken care of? So it's really up to you. Some people are who are asexuals where they don't experience that drive. Sometimes they do have sex still, but they don't really experience that drive. Um, they might not have sex at all, but they're in a loving partnership that is serving them on so many levels and they experience pleasure in other ways. So it's really a very individual, heavily nuanced kind of question. You know, um, it's too little sex if you're upset about it. And it's too much sex if you feel like you have to endure it. Mm. So just figure figure it out from there. Where's your happy, happy place? Beautifully put. It is a co-creation. I love it. Mm-hmm. Okay, wrapping up with these final questions. This one is a bonus question. I ask everyone this, and that is, what awakens your arrows? What turns you on? What makes you feel erotically alive and juicy? Mm. Um, sexually speaking. I really love to be, I really love, I'll just use Jordan as my example and just like make an example when he considers what I'm into 
And then he gives me instructions. I love getting instructions. I love, um, in a sense, I love discipline because I want to follow the instruction. And if I don't follow the instruction, then there's the, the discipline, so to speak. But I love aspects of energetic kink, which I just mentioned. So I love being told what to do and how to do it. Um, that really turns me on. I also really love nurturing. So like kink that has more of a nurturing quality versus like, yeah. I'm just going to boss you around. It's more like, I'm going to tell you things that are for your, your greater good, whether you will give them to yourself or not. So like, I, I love when he draws a bath and he puts the salts in and he does all the things and he says, I drew you a bath, go get in it. That's, that's dumb sub in a sense that has an air, an air to it. But so many people who are not familiar with DS think, oh, it's just whips and chains and barking orders and all of that. And, and it's, it can be those things and it can be very dungeness, um, but it also can be sweet and nurturing. And so that definitely turns me on. I feel super cared for all that. And of course I like all kinds of other kinkier, edgier things too, but that's the first thing that came up. And there was a second part to that, right? Oh, well, that was it. And then the other part is the work that I do. I'm so lit up by the work that I do. It's impossible. So um, just getting to to spend all all day, every day, having a conversation like I just had with you, again, pinch me. Amazing. Beautiful. Well, thank you again for being here. I would love to hear how the listeners can find you or support you, what you're, what you're launching right now, how to get involved with your space. Oh, sure. Yeah. So that sex check is my Instagram handle, find me there. Um, so that's probably the easiest. I run a community space on Facebook, but pretty much everything is available on my Instagram. So if the link that's in my bio, the resources that I mentioned, pretty much any resource that I mentioned throughout this chat is listed there. So in some way, like I think that there's a button that says um, free resources and downloads, something like that. So that you know, if there's something that I, I said here, or a resource that you were interested in, definitely go check them out. The vast majority of what we have is free to our community. So that's available. Um, I think the, maybe the only other thing that I, that is worth really mentioning is I didn't know when I first got started, I didn't know what was available doing this work. When I first got started, I didn't see again with the, nobody was really modeling for me, there wasn't very many sex coaches that also spoke about the back ends of their businesses and how they were able to become the sex coach and be uh, qualified. Like, what does it mean to be qualified and who's in charge of these qualifications and all of that? And then um, how do you how do you then start coaching and gaining the the information? Because just because you have sex education, a great sex education doesn't mean you know how to coach. And then what's the difference between coaching and therapy? And how do you create a business? where you are helping people with this area of their lives. And so for me, it was a challenge in my life. My mess is now my message. What I, I so teach what I need to learn, right? It's the thing that I needed to learn over and over and over again. And now I teach it and I will forever be a student. So if these kinds of conversations light you up and the thought and the idea of becoming a coach in this space is of interest, um, my team and I run sex coach prep school and it, it was something that I never thought I would do. 
a lot of what I do, I never thought I would do. <laughs> um, but we do it. And if I may say so, we do it really well. And so we create community around people who want to do this work. And so if that is something that really lights you up, we work with people who've never coached before. So we give you the sex education and the coaching basics, and we teach you the back end of what it really takes to set your business up. Um, so if that's of interest, then reach out to us. We're enrolling for sex coach prep school at least a couple times a year. So that's it. Beautiful. Sounds like an incredible opportunity. Thank you again, Alexa, for joining me today. And I also want to express my gratitude to the listener. Thank you once more for opening yourself up to the idea of sacred sexuality. With so much gratitude and love, have a sexual and spiritual day. And I'll catch you next week on Talk Tantra to me. Ta-ta. Ta-ta.